The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Happy to have you with us for another episode of Trip Talk. Today, things are going to get spooky. Our buddy Matt Shea is back. He is a researcher par excellence, particularly when it comes to the haunted hot spots of Western Washington. We'll get into all that with Matt right after this. Let's face it, Nevada's slice of Interstate 80 is a stretch of highway most motorists expect to blast down, pedal to the metal on their way to somewhere, well, else. But those folks, they're missing out. They're missing out on a road trip brimming with real deal Western heritage that we like to call Nevada's Cowboy Corridor. Discover the lively, history-rich communities waiting just down those off-ramps with Travel Nevada's Cowboy Corridor podcast. Hear from Nevadans who, over several generations, have formed a deep bond with the northern Nevada landscape and kept its Western vibes alive. Meet the maker of the country's only ranch-brewed beer, the founder of Winnemucca's Buckaroo Hall of Fame, the owner of one of the American West's most legendary custom saddle and leather shops and far more. From Basque sheep herding to ranch brewed beer, ghost towns to modern mining, and of course, plenty of buckaroo tradition. Learn just how deep the history and heritage along the Cowboy Corridor runs. Head to soundcloud.com slash Travel Nevada to listen to all three parts of Travel Nevada's Cowboy Corridor podcast. And of course, there's plenty more where that came from at travelnevada.com. Welcome back to Trip Talk. Matt Shea is a multi-published author, 11 books total last time I checked into him, including Kindle. He is greatly inspired by the work of Andy Griffith, with a focus, as you might imagine, on the common folk that small towns are made of in America. Matt also is a friend of American Road Trip Talk. We're delighted to have him back. And he brings his passion for research into haunted locales of Washington State. And they take him to some intriguing and eerie places. And thus, we get to go along. Once again, Matt Shea. Matt, I'm delighted to have you back. Oh, Gary, this is so neat. It is just great to be on the air with you. We have so many stories. I know we won't get to them all, and I guess that's the good news because we can always tee it up for next time. But, Matt, I wanted to get started. In fact, I put a picture because we do put out the word about these broadcasts and podcasts, and I saw this wonderful picture of what was known as the Fort Lewis Military Museum. Now it's the Lewis Army Museum. It's part of the Joint base that has been established just south of Tacoma, and I never knew it was haunted. But you're going to tell me how and why, and our listeners will be fascinated to learn how this museum had its origins and how the spooks show up left and right. Gary, I have always heard talk about that Fort Lewis Museum, and then when we were getting ready for this show, I did a lot of research on it. And then, of course, I went there, and my first introduction was talking to a sergeant who was letting me know that I was on military ground. And I asked him if these stories are true. And he said, we introduced ourselves, and he said, Matt, there is a ghost that lives upstairs because I'm the guy who locks it up every night. I unlock it every morning. He said, I've heard the noise, I've seen the shadows, and I've been with people who saw more than just that. This is a sergeant not pulling my leg. I then entered the building, 
talked to the front desk, and they said, oh, yes, we have our stories. Some say they haven't seen anything. Others say they do. But I'd like to point something out. At that front desk, they have a glass case right underneath it, and you could buy books that imply hauntings in that area. They also have a gift shop that have more such books. So they're kind of tipping their hand quite a bit there. Now, it initially was built in 1918 as a Red Shield Hotel, and three movies were filmed there, one of which was where our main ghost comes from. In 1927, The Patent Leather Kid was filmed, and an actor lost his life on the second floor. Apparently, he went out the window. It might have been foul play. Many people claim that on the second floor, they would see an angry cowboy, someone in a cowboy outfit who is furious, staring right at them. In time, three priests or chaplains, because we're talking about a military base, and this is well documented, were brought in to do an exorcist because, exorcism, excuse me, because there were so many reports about that. And they see the cowboy actor has vanished, but the other thing still exists. And what I'm referring to is doors opening, voices, people being pushed, and outside they could hear marching while they're staring at Blake, vacant fields with nobody there, as if you could touch who is marching. They could hear troops marching, basically, but it's nothing's there, it's vacant. Out of all of that, Matt, that's the eeriest for me, that you can stare at a vacant lot and you can hear the sounds of soldiers marching. That is amazing. It also reminds me, because I've talked to my share of ghost researchers over the years, and I find that there is a lot of credence given to the notion of place memory, that a space itself can have a memory of its past, its active past. I don't know whether that theory holds or not, but it it makes sense on one level because if you're looking at something where there shouldn't be anything or anyone and you're hearing something, what are you recording except perhaps the record of what happened there at one time? Gary, I have reached the same conclusion because it seems to be some type of film playing over and over again one way or another that it happened here just like this. And sometimes you see or only hear or both but it seems to be a reoccurring event where the event took place long ago. And I'm curious to know, Matt, you visited, what is its place? It would be beloved in memory to many, I'm quite sure. But what is its place currently as part of this joint base? Because that is a very active place with the living being there, and yet there is this place way, way in the distant past, past that is treasured. It's like a treasured memory. Well, yes. And again, this is part of Fort Lewis. It is a free museum. And while they say free and this is the military, you bet I'm going to donate. It's open for the public. They encourage us to be here. And they do the War of 1812 on Ford, I believe. The artifacts, it is mint condition. We're competing with the Smithsonian on a small level. It is that type of museum. And at once it was the Red Shield Inn, so... It got repurposed from being a place where souls of all kinds gathered on their travels. Definitely. It wasn't until the mid-1970s that it actually became the museum it is today. But it has a history 
of being a hotel and inn during the wars, World War One, World War Two. It was there, many stories there. I have to get there. I have driven by the entrance to the base, didn't have any business there at the time there, but I think for that reason alone, I have got to make a visit someday, and I'm sure many will agree that would be well worth the trip. You are a, I, I like to call you a, an aficionado, almost a connoisseur of ghost stories, and that's one of the really intriguing things about you, Matt. You know how to make it come alive because you're also an author. You know how to tell a tale, but you do your research also. Very important. In your ghost research, there in Western Washington, does it rank with other places that you know about in terms of having so many haunted hotspots? I'm going to say definitely yes, because we do have so many, and then they have a top 20 list, and places in Washington make it, such as Port Townsend, and you know, you and I know about that town. Yes. Well, that is true. And so many places where you wouldn't necessarily expect to find any ghostly or poltergeist activity. You gave me a list, and I it's pretty exhaustive. So even though we won't get to all of them today, that allows us to save some for the future. But in the meantime, here's one with which you would have some affinity because you've been a volunteer just south. And really, it's part of a, uh, a community that has a third runway attached to SeaTac International Airport. And that's the city of Burien. Lovely community, a nice bedroom community south of Seattle in the airport region. For 10 years, you were a volunteer at Burien Park Apartments. What's so spooky about that place, Matt? A very good friend of mine who had to go to assistant living because she's well into her 80s was one of their most recent residents there. Many people have spent their last day there. The front door, for good reasons, is permanently locked. It can only open with a type of card or if you know the right code. But when it unlocks, it only does that. It will slightly buckle. The door has a lot of weight to it. There's no draft. You've got to put a little strength into it to actually open. Many times I would watch seniors point at that door because there it goes again. It opened up, but that pushes out fully the way you and I would do if you were to walk through it. The door does not have that feature to it. It can only lock and unlock if you know the proper code, and that's it. And so to this day, people who live there are stunned and point at it because they've been watching this event for years. They have troubleshooted it three different times with the electrical, and they could not find a reason why it would do that. And so on occasion it happens, who knows, is it somebody just dropping by to say hello? Again, who knows, but it's common, and it stuns them every time because they know better. They live there. <laughs> and some of this ghostly activity, I'm happy to say and relieved that it's not always so much scary as unexpected. There are some Casper the Friendly Ghost types around, I'm pleased to say. That is well put. And again, was it somebody they used to play cards and cribbage with? Who knows? But once again, that door does not open that way. You have to do it yourself, and they will all stop and look because there it goes again. They're not used to it yet, and they've been seeing this for years. Let's stick with Burian here for a little while. Let's say that we're hungry and we're hungry for pizza. There's a place in the city of Burian 
where you can go in for a slice and a scare. I'm referring to Bison Creek Pizza. Never been there, Matt. I've been to Burien any number of times because I lived in Puget Sound for just over 20 years, but I never made it there. If I'd known about the ghost there, I would have made a beeline just to be able to hopefully have an experience or one or of one or more of them, but no such luck. Tell me about Bison Creek Pizza. Bison Creek Pizza at one time was a local movie theater. And if you look above the bar, you could see, see the three cutouts in the wall where the projectors would go through. The bar itself has been imported from Montana, and it is dated in brass, 1891. Now, the girls at work there are great. They're fun. The pizza is sensational. It's a thick pizza that has a lot of weight to it. They have got a Monday through Friday lunch buffet for right around $10, not just the pizza, not just the salad bar, not just the great super chili, They'll even have pasta there, such as spaghetti and meat sauce. They have it all. And, of course, they have every type of beer imaginable, and they also have the iced teas, which I like, but it's a Western look. They have the old whiskey bottles that are now sinks in the bathroom. It's wild, wild west. You think Artemis Gordon would be there with James West. (laughs) It is incredible. But the gals tell me that the ghost is friendly. He apparently lives upstairs because they've seen the shadows, they've heard things, and sometimes they were the only one there, and they would turn around and know that something moved and it wasn't them. They say downstairs it's a little more friendly. They'll look at the end of the bar, and they might see a cluster of glasses or a bottle move or something like, hey, I'm here. No violence, kind of a cool kind of eerie, but a warm, like it's okay, we're all one family here. That's the gist of it. They say it's friendly, but they don't know who or what, and they all tell me that. And I've been going to Bison Creek probably over 15 years easy. Where would that be in relation to the airport? People flying in and out. Burien is very close by, so how exactly would you find it? Is it just off Highway 99? Well, pretty much. When you take the S-curves, and you drive straight into Burien, you are stopped at First Avenue, and that's where they have the Safeway and so forth. But if you continue to drive down to 4th Avenue and take a left and go past the go past the library, and then we have Vince's Pizza, at the corner of Vince's Pizza, you take a sharp right, and you'll see Bison Creek down the street. And it's a very popular place. Children love going there. They have games. Guys go there for Monday night football. It's a great family thing. It's a, it's a Burian landmark, but every person working there has stories about getting their attention. I hope that as long as these spirits are going to remain earthbound, that they hang around a friendly place like that. Certainly long enough for me to get there. I'd love to have a visitation of my own. If there were an attempt to try to remove them, I think I would protest That is amazing stuff. And there's so much Western history there simply by going to the bar. As I understand it, the bar is authentic and imported from Montana. It dates back to 1891, is it? Yes, it is. And my gosh, it belongs in a Western movie. And who knows? And who knows? That might be the reason why certain things traveled with it. But that bar speaks for itself. When you walk in there, you look for John Wayne. (laughs) Well, who knows? (laughs) Let's stick with the pizza mode here, Matt. Let's head south, and we're going to go south 
little south of Tacoma, actually. If uh, maybe you visit the uh, Lewis Army Museum and you're not full of haunts yet, so you want to go someplace where you might have another shot at a spectral visitation, and you go to Pizza Casa. Now, that's in the city of Lakewood, which I believe is just south of Tacoma. Pizza Casa, what's going on there? Our friend Eileen Grime is known as Jupiter Rising, and she does her astrology readings there. It's called Readings After Dark. This place is my favorite place to go to now. We love everybody. Joan will take great care of you. Tracy, Jason, Aramis, Tabitha, they are fabulous, and they share the stories. When we walked in there, the Rat Pack greets you through the sound system. You hear Sammy Davis, Jr. You hear Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. You will hear Nat King Cole and others sing the beautiful songs from the 40s, that golden era. You're engulfed there. People there tell us that they have seen the shelf that holds pizza boxes on their own. One will fly off, not drop, a little wrist action like a Frisbee, like a pinwheel when you throw one. It'll cover some ground in flight. Uh, Something is doing that. They have a dishwasher that has some manual operation to it before they could kick on the electricity and let it run. That will set itself up by itself and start going. They've seen that numerous times. They have seen an old lady's ghost in the banquet room many times. Just standing there, they think that's one of the original owners. They will hear voices. There are shadows. One of the former managers sat down and told me that in this corner of the banquet room, she will smell fresh smoke as if it's cigars and hear voices. It is nonstop there. Now, I have not seen any of this, but throughout the week, in one way or another, some of them get something. They also say that they have a kind of a human-type figure, a cloud-type figure that has been known to come through the storeroom, through the kitchen, and they would see bread get thrown on the floor. They would see a pot or a pan get moved and just dropped on the floor all by itself. They have had paper towels pull out by themselves. But again, it seems to be an attention getter, like, hey, we live here. It's not terrifying. You're encompassed. You're mesmerized with this beautiful music and the greatest Italian food ever. The place is well over 60 years old. They do not have to advertise. They always have the same crowd there, and it's usually partially full, if not more than that. Once you go there, For the rest of your life, you will have a reason to go there. It's fun. And on Monday nights, we meet there with Eileen Grimes, do her readings, and it's one big happy family. We've all adopted one another here. I think that's terrific, Matt. Yes, it would be well worth it to visit all of these places. While we have a few minutes, I'd like to know a little bit about your methodology. You do your research. You read up, but when you go, are you one of those guys that carries around a ton of equipment with you in order to get uh, electronic readings? Do you go for the so-called EVPs, electronic voice phenomena? What is your MO when you go on these jaunts for the haunt? It's one of two things. We could enter a place and it hits you like a dog would go crazy. They could just sense it or see it. And so you get a gut feeling, and so you have to ask questions. The Pizza Casa, I had to ask. 
The other half is that there are lists out there on the Internet. That's how I learned about Fort Lewis and other places. So as you go about your daily life, it'll hit you. There's something about the soul. It is telling you something. And then we have these lists where people just like ourselves, they had to write in because they had the same experience. So between the two, it happens. I always have notebook papers, pens, and pencils, and I'm always writing notes to myself. And I'm a little bit like Columbo. In fact, that was one of my nicknames at an old job because I was bothering people with too many questions. But I keep asking questions. They get to know me. I get more information, and we make a story out of it. I love it that you collect these narratives because it reminds me of good oral history. If you can collect that, then the story remains alive through the collected memories of others. I think that's great. Oh, I love it. There's nothing like sitting down with the real McCoy, and they are giving you the story straight. You're getting it from the horse's mouth. When you read something or a friend of a friend, it's different. When you're on location and you're talking to the grandchild or the son of the original owner, now you're starting to hit home. While we're in Italian food mode, and it's fascinating to me how many ghosts love Italian food and Italian food places, there's one more I wanted to talk about. Spaghetti Factory in Tukwila. Now, Tukwila, for our road trippers, that is immediately south of Seattle. Tukwila will jokingly refer to itself as next to the largest city in Washington, but really what they mean is they're abutting the Seattle city limits. And they're in Tukwila at the mall at South Center, big mall. They've got the spaghetti factory, a nice chain. There, the food is good. I've been there. I've never been haunted. What happens at South Center? Well, I'm a teetotaler, but they have a bar there that's from the Wild West days, the 1800s, the stained glass. They even have a huge mural with a bunch of outlaws, including Frank and Jesse James. I love it there. My friend Ian runs the bar there. The Tiffany lamps, the red velvet chairs, everything. It has that feeling to it. And even though it's a strip mall, you're surrounded with antiques and so forth. And my buddy Ian, he's a great guy. I said, tell me what goes on here. He said, we see the shadows. We hear voices. We will know that something was moved that we didn't touch. We will enter a room we just left a minute earlier. No one's around. We did not move this over there. And then he said, one night, it greatly exposed itself. It wasn't closing time yet. The bar was on the lean side. He is looking at a traditional round bar stool type table, and the candle on it started to spin the way a coin would. When you toss a coin, it, it hits the ground and rolls within itself. While it was doing that, it was going in a complete circle towards the outer edge of this round table, and it was basically saying hello to him like, I am here. Look at this. So he's watching this, and that's all he's got to know. He's worked at other places that had phenomena like that, not all of them. This one finally exposed itself. We're here, too. I am so fascinated. And now as I hear you talk, Matt, I'm, I, I think I get it. If there are ghosts, earthbound spirits, and they are in these places where people socialize, it's convivial, they want to have a good time. The spirits aren't through having good times themselves, so they would congregate where people congregate. Suddenly it makes sense to me. That is a conclusion I have reached. Now, 
Our friend Eileen, her co-host Doug Johnston, is amazing. This is his alley. He talks about the public market. He says it's full of hauntings. He's had two of out-of-body experiences. He's the real McCoy here. And he says a lot of them are there because they had to pick somewhere and they want it here. Others are sort of earthbound. They're put in a holding pattern for whatever spiritual reason. A person like Doug is clairvoyant. They see it the way an animal would. Matt, I am so grateful every time you come on this program because you get us to thinking, and it's more eerie than scary, and it just makes us want to know more and more. I certainly appreciate you for coming on once again. And by the looks of your research, I'm just scrolling here as I look at my iPad, and I see that there are places that we need to talk about in the future that might be well removed from Seattle, that they certainly qualify as haunted hotspots of western Washington. Next time you're on with us, we'll get to those. I can't wait for it. My notes are all ready, and I'll double it by the time we get on again. And I love your show. I love the American Road Trip Talk. We like to show people where they can go and have fun. Matt Shea, everybody. Thanks so much, Matt. We'll talk again. Okay. Before we leave, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to tell you, you have an opportunity to venture beyond the neon. I'm talking Nevada. Venture beyond the neon and discover the Nevada you never knew existed. Soak in a hot spring while gazing up at some of the darkest nighttime skies in the nation. Hike past the oldest living trees on Earth in Great Basin National Park and have your breath stolen away by the deep, cool, crystal clear waters of Lake Tahoe. To get your hands on surprising scenery, oddball attractions, road trips of a lifetime, and more, visit TravelNevada.com slash travel dash guides. I'll say that again. TravelNevada.com slash travel dash guides and get your free Nevada Visitor's Guide today. Thanks so much for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. <laughs>